the best advice I could give is make sure you that you're staying in your lane and um, you talk about unique ability all the time. Yep. Whatever. This is what I tell my, my RIA people when they come to me, they're like, what, what do I do? And, and they look to me like, like I know what I'm talking about, you know, like I'm the Yoda. Mm-hmm. So I tell them, figure out what your unique ability is. If you're good with people, maybe you should be a wholesaler. Maybe you should be, uh, you know, in front of people. Yep. If, if you're an engineer type person, maybe you should only be a landlord, you know, in the beginning, figure out what you're good at and exploit the heck out of it because time is too short and you just get caught up really quickly. Hey guys and gals, Trevor here with Carrot. And uh, one, of the, one of my favorite things I get to do here at Carrot is talk with our, our members. And uh, whether it's phone calls with our members, I was on a, on a call um, last night, kind of late with one of our members in Minneapolis that's crushing it, but also I uh, had a chance to kind of dig in and give him some advice on, on some things. I love it. It gives me energy. And then also bringing members on the Carrot Cast to talk about, dig into their story and talk about what brought them where they are today? Where are they? What are they doing in the future to really cut through the clutter and add that freedom, flexibility, grow those finances, make the impact. And uh, Dylan and I first met at a mastermind that we're both a part of called Investor Fuel with, uh, with Mike Hambright. And I'd, I'd known of Dylan and I'd, of course, he's been a member of ours for a while, but I'd known of Dylan. Uh, we might have interacted back and forth several times. I can't remember the interactions that we had, but it's fun being able to meet you in person and really see all the amazing things you're doing and see the scale that you're doing it. But also, um, one thing that I'm not going to lie, it always makes me smile is anytime I get to meet our members in person, uh, oftentimes they kind of tell their experience with us. And uh, it was just really cool where, um, you know, you, you shot that video. I'm like, man, I, I, just, I love his energy. And it just makes me smile that we're able to do something that, that is really helping people and do something at a good level. So we're going to dive into Dylan's background, unpack what he's doing in his business. But you guys are going to learn a ton on this call. But uh, welcome on the Caracast, Dylan Tanaka. Hey, Trevor, I really appreciate you having me. Yeah, um, I was really excited when uh, when we got to meet at Investor Fuel because there was this this hush that was happening. And it's like, Trevor's going to be here. Trevor's going to be here tonight. And I think Adrian was already there. And um, Adrian and I have kind of connected, you know, through different um, stuff on Instagram and Facebook, of course. Mm-hmm. And I'd been listening to uh, Adrian, you know, do all of the all, all of his coaching calls. And it's so funny when you meet him in person, because like his voice is exactly the same. Yep. And he's such a great teacher, because I've, I've done a lot of SEO and a lot of different stuff with uh, websites throughout all my years. But mm. Um, Adrian, he just, he has a great way of teaching and, and he slows everything down, especially during, um, like when he was up just speaking, uh, you know, at, at investor field, we'll talk more about that. I'm sure later, but he, he just is able to draw everyone in, slows it down. And, uh, you know, him and I got along great. And then when you showed up, like I said, Mike Hambright calls you our resident Yoda. And, uh, <laughs> I, I think you, you gotta be pretty excited to hear that because that's, uh, yeah, it's coming from a great guy and, uh, and, and talking, uh, you know, talking about calling you Yoda. So that's very cool. And, um, and yeah, so we got to have dinner together. I told you a little bit about my background and some of the websites I've used in my, in my uh, kind of a long career now compared to some of the guys and gals we meet at these meetings. Yep. You know, these 20-year-old yep. these kids are just amazing what they're able to put together. And um, what was so unscalable maybe 10 years ago has become so scalable in the last probably, I think five, but we can call it 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, like I said, I got to tell you a little bit about my story and some of the, the different websites I'd used. And then when I finally decided, which was a couple of years ago to jump on, you know, jump on carrot sites and how much easier it is for me 
um, and, and just so much better long-term for buying and selling because of the credibility that you can create. And um, that's kind of my thing, you know, Adrian and I talked about becoming a local celebrity and not, not like you're, you know, this star who's out having all this fun all the time, but mm-hmm. letting your sellers know who you are through yeah. the site. So it, it's not just for pay-per-click, mm-hmm. you know, it's having it on the, on the direct mail and, and letting them, letting them just find it and the about page. And we mm-hmm. all know that, that that's the second, you know, second most clicked page on all of our sites. Dude, it's it, 100%. I'm pumped about diving into some of that tactical stuff here in a bit. And I know you're getting a good amount of leads in there and closing much deals, not just with care, but other stuff too. So I want to unpack sure. kind of all what's happening. But why don't you do this? Um, if you can introduce where where you're from, what what's your business world looks like? So I know you've got um, the investment side, you've got the brokerage side. Mm-hmm. Uh, what does your business look like? And then last, what's your family situation? You married, have kids, kind of what's family situation look like there? So I'm in the Metro Detroit market and we were laughed at by everybody for years and years. Uh, I've been investing in real estate since 2003. So it's been a long time again, compared to some of the, some of the people who are involved nowadays. Yep. I'm uh, unfortunately like one of the old dogs uh, at a lot of the meetings that I go to and people I talk to. And um, uh, so, you know, Metro Detroit, we had a bad rap for a long time, but right now the, the city itself, Detroit is better than it's ever been. Since the the late '60s, so there's a huge resurgence, which I mostly work the suburbs, but I will buy and sell in the city itself. So I'm barely outside the city of Detroit. The the counties that I work are surrounding the city. Okay. Um, so basically, um, what I do in in my day to day business is I buy and sell. I started out buying rental properties like a lot of you know guys and gals did all those years ago because it was the easy way in, save up some money, get a mortgage, and then buy a rental. Mm-hmm. And then do that every year, once or twice. And then after 20 or 30 years, we're all going to be retired rich, right? <laughs> That's right. Then I think I went to one of my first, as I want to call it, a get rich quick seminar for real estate and learned about private money and, and um, just more creative financing ideas. So I said, holy moly, I don't have to work so hard and wait so long to buy properties. And I was in my early 20s. So I was, I was really wet behind the ears. Mm-hmm. And um then I started buying and selling, just doing some, um, just doing some fix and flips. And then the foreclosure boom happened and everything crumbled, especially here in Metro Detroit. So mm. I was sitting on 30 or 40 rental properties and um, we couldn't buy, fix and sell anymore. No one could get mortgages, you know? So it so was a really crazy time. With, with, with those rental properties, because I know, I know a lot of people that, that got caught in a very similar situation there. So did you end up losing any? Um, how did you how did how did you buy those rental properties and kind of how did you weather through that phase? So they actually weren't rentals to start with. They were okay. rent to owns. Everything cool. that I was doing, we were buying. I had a couple of partners on and off, you know, throughout all the years. Mm-hmm. So we were buying, we were fixing up a little bit and then selling them on rent to own. And what would happen is um, we would get them a mortgage. I wrote mortgages back then. I had my real estate license. You did everything back then. You know, I mean, this is like <laughs> almost before the days of YouTube. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, so I would get them approved, get their credit fixed up, and then get them a mortgage. And then all of a sudden, like I said, when mortgages stopped, we couldn't do anything. So I had a lot of private money and a lot of subject to deals. Okay. So I was, I was doing some pretty creative stuff early on. So what we did is um, we kept what we could. We short sold a whole bunch of stuff, but I had zero bank financing. It was all private money. Cool. So we worked all the deals out with our lenders. We, not one person ever got a haircut. They, they might've taken a haircut on, on just a little bit of the interest, mm-hmm. but not on any principal, anything like that. And again, cool. this is like 2007, 2006. Mm-hmm. 
So um, fast forward to today or, or, you know, after the foreclosure boom, both of my partners left the business of real estate eventually. So I stayed around and because I weathered the storm, I got to inherit all those private lenders also. Hmm. And that's kind of been the secret of my success is having private money. I've always had money for deals and I was taught early on by a lot of different mentors, but a lot of the old guys would tell me, don't ever trust banks. Hmm. So it was very rare that I used bank financing. And I always built up my private lender war chest and it was a little bit easier for me too, because like you can see my shirt here. So it says, make it happen. <laughs> that's uh, the, that's the, uh, the motto of, of the local RIA. I started a RIA way back in 2006 hmm. and they kind of have a bad name now, but again, I'm an old school guy. So, um, you know, the last 12 years I've had 150 some odd um, events plus Saturdays and all that crazy stuff. So I've met so many investors, all my best friends come from real estate meetings. Yep. And whether they be masterminds, you know, guys like you and Adrian meeting at Investor Fuel or different seminars, but when you host your own group, you know, you do kind of become that local star. Mm -hmm. And um, it helped me a lot when it was time to wholesale. So when the foreclosure boom um, was in full effect, we were buying and selling 50 to 75 properties per year. We would close on them from the banks hmm. and then resell them. Oh, wow. So, the, yeah, the capacity to do transactions for me was always there because we were just always crazy because you'd only make five, seven, ten grand a deal, which was mm -hmm. a lot when you're doing 50. But um, when things changed and the foreclosure days were over, then I kind of moved into doing mega buy, fix, and flip. Okay. And then to actually tearing down, doing new construction, and I'm doing a new subdivision right now, which is mm -hmm. slowly getting finished. And, and really, I've been mostly wholesaling the last couple of years full time, along with the new construction. Man, so there's, there's some interesting stuff in there where um, we're, we're doing our <clears throat> Carrot online summit here in about a month. And one of the, one of the core things we're going to focus in on is the year ahead, right? The, the market, the market cycle that we're in. And if people, whether you're experienced or, or newer, especially if you started real estate investing after the last crash, I want you to go back and reverse the last five to eight minutes of what Dylan has been talking about because he basically walked you through the strategy shifts that he made through all that. And so I want you guys all, all to go back and, and, and listen to that again because he walks you through those strategy shifts. The first thing is make sure that you, you have the funds that are not, you're not relying on banks. So if you're not working on your private lending um, pool right now, y'all, you should be doing that. And, and I'm going to ask you a question on the market here in a bit. Um, kind of on your take on how this is, you know, how, how this is compared to any other cycles in the future or in the past. But first of all, he's like, I, I made sure that we have funding. That's not bank funding. I got really good at private money. Uh, those people that didn't, well, weren't good at private money and they, they got bank funding. I know a lot of those people, they had 40 or 50 properties. They all got foreclosed on and then they had to, they had to somehow pull out of that in the next five, six, seven years. So then he had private private lending. The next thing he had mentioned was he said he started doing creative deals. He started doing subject to, started doing rent to own types of things. We're already seeing a lot of that pop back up right now in many parts of the market where if, if some, some uh, as you've seen interest rates creep up a little bit, we're starting to see that really, really become popular again. Um, the next thing he mentioned was the foreclosure boom. So he went in and started buying up a bunch of the properties foreclosure wise. I might miss one here or there, but then the next thing was he went into fix and flips in a big way. So you can see how this is all happening. Foreclosures happen. They've got the cash cause they've got the, the money from the private lenders. He has his cash flow coming from the subject twos, the rent to owns. And then he's like, okay, now the markets are appreciating. We're going to start to fix and flip. There's a runway now 
where if we put out a bunch of money to fix and flip, we're not going to see the market turn next month or next year. And then you can see he shifted over to wholesaling, y'all. And that's what we've seen with a lot of big people is they saw, okay, we're nearing the end of this market cycle. We don't want to put too much cash and, and risk out there. If the market shifts, you know, keep, keep a shorter runway, a shorter runway of fix and flips, things like that. Um, and he's like, okay, we're going to shift over to the quicker cash. You have a lot more buyers coming in that might be willing to pay more money for it. The lead flows there. And then um, next is you got a development there, which I'm curious about. But if you guys can kind of see that, so that leaves us where we are now. So two questions for you market-wise. And then I, I want to just kind of unpack really fast what your overall business looks like now. But market-wise, uh, question is um, the development. Uh, do you see, I guess, what's the timeline on that getting done? And do you see their, what's the risk profile there given kind of where overall the, the real estate market looks like it is in, in the U.S.? Well, where we are lucky on the development is it's quite a ways outside the city. It's almost in the sticks and okay. we have mostly empty nesters who are purchasing these homes. Mm. So they're selling $600,000, $500,000 homes and they're moving down to these um, condos that are 1800 square feet with walkout basements, you know, in our, gotcha. in our eight region, that's, that's a very um, desirable property for empty nesters. Cool. So they get the nice ranch, they get all that stuff and they're coming with cash. And as of now, we haven't seen anything simmer down at all because that market was very normalized. Yep. Yep. Cool. Um, but as, yeah, as far as development goes, I'm very nervous about it long term, um, mm. especially in the hot areas because we're definitely overinflated and it's going to come down. I do not believe there'll be a foreclosure boom again because it was way harder to get loans the last few years mm -hmm. than it was back in 01, 2, 3, 4. And the Fed or the government, whoever you want to say it is, they're never, ever going to let that happen as severely as it did because it took so long for loan modifications and short sales in the old days, they're going to pick them up just like that and say, okay, we've got a problem here. Let's get it fixed. And it yep. won't be a three or five year run because I'm used to the days of, of 400 days on market. I was on the, the mm -hmm. phone with Hambright today and we were talking about 400 days on market. And now <laughs> we're complaining about 40. Actually, yep. we're about 20 here on retail. So I'm ready for that, you know, and, and mm -hmm. I'm, I don't want it to happen again, but if it does, we're prepared versus yep. only being there when it was when it was a rising tide and as you know lifts all boats so mm -hmm. and, and that's that's what i want a lot of people to listen to one of the reasons i want to bring you on here is because you've been through you've been through the cycle right you, you haven't just been on the ups up the, the upswing and um and i'll talk to a lot of investors who are crushing even at investor field there's tons of people that are doing tons and tons of deals but there's probably probably you can probably count on two hands the number who have been through a full cycle and so just the perspective that you guys have is really, really cool. So what, what's your business look like right now? So you guys are, of course, are doing a, whole, a lot of wholesaling. You have the development going on. Are you solo? Do you have a team? Um, kind of what's the business look like? I am solo in terms of ownership. So finally, mm -hmm. I've spread my wings. This is going back probably seven or eight years. But, you know, when you're young and Trevor, you know, I've, I've listened to a lot of your stories. You've had multiple partners, started businesses, still friends with those partners. Yeah. But Carrot, Carrot is, is Trevor, you know, and mm -hmm. not that you don't have a huge team around you and it's grown, but it's a lot easier as you kind of, I, I guess, gain experience to, to know that you can kind of handle things on your own sometimes yep. and then just steer the ship. So yeah, I have, I have acquisition guys, I have uh, operations and a, a ton of bird dogs and other people out on the streets. And mm -hmm. um, basically what I'm doing is I'm mailing really, really hard. I'm not a big pay-per-click guy. So I, yep. I use the site a little bit more for SEO and for credibility. So mm -hmm. almost everyone I talk to, they get a link to my about page 
and it's it's not under construction, but I'm making it much better. Yeah. Um, but I, I've got a couple different other guides that I've actually built myself versus just the ones that you know that that we get with the site. Mm. So I try to create a lot of credibility, whether it be probate or other situations, folks back on their taxes. Um, when I sit with them, I will send them um, or I will I'll email them something that they can see from the site. And I have an office and they can see I've been around for a long time. I do hold a broker's license. I don't do much um, real estate for anyone outside of my company. Yep. But I do hold a broker's license, which to me helps a lot with credibility because I deal with a lot of out-of-state sellers. I focus on that. So I can get them on the phone and, and do that 45-minute talk about mm -hmm. how we're going to help them get out of the situation that they're in. And I'm not just a guy in a truck at a McDonald's trying to get them to deed their home away. Yeah, man. So that right there is so important. I did a podcast probably a year and a half ago that I called the credibility score. And in that one and a lot of other ones too, I'm, I was saying, Hey, around that 2019, 2020 range, everyone's gonna have to really go all in on credibility. And, and there's a lot of ways you can build credibility, but content is one of the ways to do so expertise, putting up your experience and, and, and background of, of others that have worked with you testimonials, things like that. Right. Sure. Um, and that's something that people that are listening to this right now, I mean, you heard Dylan saying they do a ton of direct mail, a little bit of SEO, but most of their stuff is offline. And we'll get some people who, even on the flip side, but even if someone joined Carrot and then they end up, you know, maybe cancel, which doesn't happen a lot, but they end up canceling. And they're like, oh, I'm just doing a bunch of offline, doing, you know, direct mail is working better for me or cold calling. And the first thing I do is like, I cringe number one, but then I'm like, ah, you don't get it. Like <clears throat> what's happening uh, we didn't do our job, obviously, to educate you on it. But what, like, what's happening is your prospects are picking up their own cell phone when your direct mail goes out or when your cold call hits their thing. And they're, they're actually Googling the phone number that you cold called from to see who is this company. I do that all the time. Like Probably everyone on this listening to this can go, oh my gosh, I have Googled a phone number that I didn't know who it was and I wanted to see who it was. And then you end up seeing the, the, call, the tracking phone, phone number scam lists on there. It's like, take yeah. that darn phone number and put it on your, on your contact page and say, hey, you might've reached us from one of these 14 tracking phone numbers. Um, but then on direct mail, even if you're not putting your URL on your, on your direct mail piece, they're still gonna Google it. They're gonna Google your company name. They're gonna Google all that stuff. And there's a client, Carter out of, out of Oklahoma, a top, buyer, top home buyer there. They moved over from their big old expensive $15,000 custom site that looked pretty over to Carrot and the results were dramatic. And they didn't do any online stuff, like any online lead gen. It was just replacing their other site with the Carrot site and the way it was structured, the way it worked better on mobile, the way that the content and credibility was structured. We saw over, over a 50% lift in his leads. And then he said, not only that, but their lead to close ratio dramatically increased because he's like, before I would get the leads, but my website hadn't done the job to pre-frame and pre-sell pre the experience. And now it is. So just want to kind of drop that in there that the reason I bring on guys like Dylan who maybe aren't focusing solely or the majority on online, it's like the online is, can still be a big part of the, or it needs to be a big part of the picture no matter what marketing you're doing. Yeah, the mm -hmm. online is a gigantic part of my, my business because it, like I said, it lends credibility. And with carrot sites just in general, it's all about, to me, credibility and conversion. So whether you're going to send somebody to your main page from PPC or you're going to build a landing page or, or a video landing page, whatever you should be testing, as we know, we're not going to get in, in depth and all that stuff. But um, I, think, I think a lot of people don't understand that just by the few tweaks that you should do, I did a lot of tweaks because like we said, I, I've had sites for years and years until I moved to Carrot and, and I was apprehensive just because it was different and newer or whatever it was. And then I, um, I actually went down to Dominican Republic 
And as my wife was out on the, on the beach and with her friends at the pool, I was hiding in, under a little cabana, smoking cigars, hanging out with the locals, working on, on my carrot site, getting it to look different, you know, building some cute little JPEGs and just to make me look different than the other guys in my market and, and the girls, because I know you guys get that question a lot and say, hey, everyone has a carrot site. Yep. Yeah, but everyone's not you. Yep. So, uh, you know, I, I met April Crossley um, at Investor Fuel at the last event. Mm-hmm. And I know you just did an, you know, you guys just did an article with her in it. And mm-hmm. she's buddies with Adrian. So her and I talked a whole bunch. Cool. And, you know, she's kind of a local celebrity where she's at too. Mm-hmm. So, yep. and it, it's all about just you being different, but, but getting your site out there also. And, and using that with your, your customers, because they're going to look at that or your prospective sellers, they're going to look at that and they're going to see that you're different. hundred percent, man. It's like with the carrot side of things, we focus on creating the high, high converting framework. That's where all your data, data science, conversion rate optimization comes in. And then we focus on making the technology stacked where you don't have to worry about that. Loads really fast. We're always staying ahead of that. looks amazing on mobile, always will. And then, like you said, you wrap your credibility uh, and stuff in there. So, um, here, here's, I want to dive into this a little bit now. So people have a really good picture of where you came from. I love the breakdown that you gave through the market, even though we didn't talk about that. I'm like, oh, that is perfect, dude. What we need to do, I would love to take that snippet and turn it into some sort of a micro piece of content with like a one pager guide. I can completely picture in my mind, Dylan, where there's like a timeline showing market cycles and showing yeah. here's strategies to deploy during those cycles. Gosh, like... We, we need to do that and we can somehow like collaborate on that thing if you'd be game. Uh, Cause that'd be really, really useful. So, so um, right now you're doing a lot of wholesaling and you can share what you want to share. Don't share what you don't share what you don't want to share, but just for context for people, you've got a team, you said um, about what's your volume now. I know years ago you said you were doing about 50 deals a year around that, the market turn. Um, what's your volume look like now, whatever you're willing to share. If you want, want to tell me to jump off a cliff, I'm totally fine with that too. No, no, it's fine. First of all, I told Trevor we were going to have some fun, so I got to switch t-shirts. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. All right. So we're switching back to the uh, to the Investor Fuel t-shirt now. I love it. And uh, Trevor and I are both members of Investor Fuel. It's a it's a it's a high level mastermind. And um, me being a, a RIA type guy, wherever you guys are at um, who are listening and watching this, you should be at every single real estate investment event that you can get to in your local market. Because it's the only place where crazy people like us get together in person. The online stuff's super important. The Facebook groups. We just started a new Facebook group. Um, it's called, uh, let me think here, uh, Michigan Real Estate Investor Network um, mm-hmm. on Facebook. And um, totally focused on us real estate investors. But I, I've met all these folks in person. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really important um, to do that. And again, being, being a part of Investor Fuel is huge. And that kind of brings me to, to answer your question, Trevor. So right now, we're only doing about three to four deals a month wholesale yep. along with the development because it takes a ton of my time. Um, but I recently brought on an acquisitions guy who I've been working on and off with for a couple of years. And he, was, he kind of became ready to jump in full time. Mm-hmm. So after joining Investor Fuel, I've actually almost like doubled my staff. Cool. And um, I, would say that, uh, I, I would say that because of that, you know, it's, it's really... Uh, my eyes have been opened a lot spending time with guys like you and Adrian and I can go through the whole list. Um, it's, uh, it's, it showed me that you can drop the five, 10, 20, you know, 40,000 mailers and, and really do a lot more deals because of it. Yeah. So for me, that's what I'm focusing on. Um, a lot of direct mail, 
wholesaling. I'm a relationship guy, as you probably know. So I've known some of my buyers for 15, almost going on 20 years. I have some guys who don't speak English well that trust me so much and they say, just sign everything, make sure I make my money. Now, of course, they're looking at it. These are guys are big remodelers, yeah, yeah. but they, they trust me a lot. So me having those relationships, that came from spending time at, at groups like Investor Fuel or at my local RIAs. And to weather me through the storm, I never thought I was going to be a wholesaler again because I was a big time crushing little houses, building new, totally custom spec built homes in one of the hottest neighborhoods in Metro Detroit. And yeah. I could brag about it and it was pretty. It was like owning a beautiful sports car. But in the end, I'm just a wholesaler because I'm a relationship guy. <laughs> and when times get tough and you're sitting on expensive dirt, bad things can happen. Mm-hmm. So, so I think I'll probably stay in this lane for a long time. And, and yeah. it doesn't mean when you're a wholesaler that you've got to buy something and resell it right away. What it means is you have the opportunity in front of you that no one else has. So whether you want to hold it and keep it, you want to partner on it, you want to sell it on seller financing, buy it on seller financing. There's just so many more options than just buying something off the MLS. Mm-hmm. Dude, so, so as you're looking at this next year, uh, like we talked, I mean, there, there are some things happening on the market, but uh, I, I agree with you. All, all the data shows that there's not going to be like a crash, right? There's some sort of correction getting back to probably like probably in, in many markets, not even a correction, more of normalization, right? Um, like you said, getting back from, you know, whatever it was, 30 days on market, probably not 400, but maybe getting up towards you know, whatever it is, you know, something more normal or whatever. But um, so go, go, going into this market, you're going to continue to wholesale. Are there any opportunities that you see that, that you're going to continue to look for outside of wholesaling or, um, is, is wholesaling what you're going to put your head down and really focus on with that development for 2019? Um, you know, over the next year, the other, I, I, I think maybe the only other opportunity that I'm thinking to, to play with a little bit, and we talk about chasing squirrels at Investor Fuel. So mm-hmm. shiny object guy right here. I, I buy a new app for $5 every single day. <laughs> I'm so pumped about all, all the crazy stuff that we can, you know, jump into and then nothing important gets done. Yep. So I, I'm going to be pretty focused obviously on the development because there's, there's millions at stake there, but um, mostly on wholesaling, but I think on selling, um, selling more on land contract to or seller financing to other investors. Mm. I just had a recent deal where I was paid almost double what I paid for the house and I've got a back end coming in two years from an investor. So mm-hmm. I put off, I defer a little bit of my payday today for later. Um, and then probably just holding more, more properties because I've given away, you know, I've been through hundreds of them and I'm not really holding any right now. And, you know, as some guys would tell you, if you don't make money while you're sleeping, then you're, you're never going to be totally free. Yep. So I'm a little bit, um, I'm a little bit transactional right now. So it scares me as, you know, as I am one of the elders of the group over being over 40 years old. <laughs> Man, it's, 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 it's interesting as, as I look at, um, I've talked about it before the boom and bust business model versus a momentum building business model. Right. And, um, I've had businesses in the past that were boom and bust where you got to hustle that next month to, to go out there and, and, and kill and bring back. And the, the next month it resets and you got to do it again, you know, and I've, I've built businesses where, where it built momentum and, and I know for me, when, when, when I found more fulfillment, when I found more happiness, but also just less stress is when I could kick on that second part of it, which is what you're talking about. And I call it momentum building income or moment, momentum building lead flow or business um, is like finding those things that can stack. Like, can you, you can stack properties, you can stack cash flow that, that give you the freedom then to, 
to be creative with things, give you the freedom to take time off if you wanted to, a lot of time off. Um, and there's also the whole team building thing. So there's a lot of people on here that are probably solo operators. There's some people on here that are looking at building a team. There's probably a lot of people who have built teams. And you may think it's amazing. You may be miserable right now because you did it the wrong way or the way that I've done it before in the past. <laughs> and uh, what are some of those learning lessons that you're going through, Dylan, as you're, as you're, you're building out that team that you've got? Um, what bits of advice would you give someone if they're looking for that first or second team member, whether it's the actual structural, hey, do this, don't do that when hiring, or the leadership side of things you're learning? I have asked um, <clears throat> multiple people, hopefully close to as, as wise as you are, Trevor, um, that same question as I was building over the last year, because I, I never believed that wholesaling um, could be as scalable as it is. Mm -hmm. And then kind of when Chandler started his, uh, Brad Chandler, when he started his podcast, yep. <clears throat> I'd heard some of the stuff and I just started mailing again. And I'm like, what is this guy talking about? How's he doing all these deals and some of the new software that popped up and, you know, Investor Fuse and Podio and all these crazy automations, which we used to absolutely dream about. I told mm -hmm. you I had a coaching group and our first coaching website that people could log into way back in like 2007 was like eight grand to build. You and I can make one before we're off this podcast, right? Yeah, in totally. So um, I, I think there's, there's just a lot of opportunity out there that wasn't there before. And um, I think the best advice I could give to somebody new is uh, make sure that you stay in your lane. Another, another crazy reference is, you know, Gino Wickman from Traction, of course. Mm -hmm. So I'm a high school mentor with a group called Winning Futures. I've been there almost 10 years. Next year is my 10th year. Mm -hmm. um, it's a nonprofit. It's totally awesome. It's, it's goal setting for high school seniors. Hmm, I like it. The, I'm reading Gino's book and he's talking about his mentor whose name is Sam Cup. Sam Cup built Winning Futures. The two students he started with were Gino and a lady named Chris Marshall. Hmm. Chris runs Winning Futures, who I've known now for 10 years. She grew up with Gino. Gino's on the other side and went into business. Chris stayed on the, on the uh, nonprofit side. So what I teach to my kids in, in high school is basically a, a watered down version of EOS. Yeah. So it's really, really nuts because I'm reading Gino's book and I know everybody in it. And I'm like, you have to be <laughs> kidding me. How don't I know this guy's from Metro Detroit also? And I know yeah. who his dad is. He's actually a real estate speaker, oh, believe cool. it or not. Some people don't know that. So um, I think the best advice I could give is make sure you're, that you're staying in your lane and um, you talk about unique ability all the time. Yep. Whatever, this is what I tell my, my RIA people when they come to me, they're like, what, what do I do? And, and they look to me like, like I know what I'm talking about, you know, like I'm the Yoda. Mm -hmm. So I tell them, figure out what your unique ability is. If you're good with people, maybe you should be a wholesaler. Maybe you should be, uh, you know, in front of people. Yep. If, if you're an engineer type person, maybe you should only be a landlord, you know, in the beginning. Figure out what you're good at and exploit the heck out of it because time is too short and you just get caught up really quickly. And um, I think probably the, the, the best thing that's happened to me outside of uh, being a carrot member, of course, is um, getting hooked up with Martinez and his training. Mm -hmm. I've been a salesperson my entire life. Tom Hopkins, been through all the other train, you know, sales trainings you can think of, different negotiating. And I'm not a negotiations kind of guy. You know, I'm, I'm more of the, the consultative type salesperson. Mm -hmm. So when I heard Martinez's stuff a couple of years ago, I'm like, I, I don't know if this guy is just speaking right to me or what. This is absolutely crazy. There was never a sales trainer for quote unquote cash for homes. We buy house guys. No, nope, and, nope. and everything John said was just unbelievable. And I mean, since, since spending time with John and, you know, I know Greg well and being an investor fuel, I'm lucky. I'm really, really lucky and blessed that I can spend time with those guys mm. outside of the normal rat race. And 
um, you know, I'll send John a message here or there and I don't try to take up any of his time, just like you've answered me also, you know, on messenger, same thing with Adrian, but, um, what he can teach and especially now in this, in this weird market where we're having the shift or the, you know, meltdown, whatever they want to call it, everything was just too frothy is really what it was. And it's coming yep. back to reality. And people from Detroit can understand that because we didn't get that, that crazy run up for multiple years gotcha. like the other markets did. So I'm, I'm always almost looked at as like a contrarian at times. But um, what, what I think is really important is you're just going to have to buy less. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, going through Martinez's training or having your salesperson, your buyer go through Martinez's training, I think is worth it, – it's, 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 it's infinity. It really mm-hmm. is because I've had my, my biggest um, – wholesale fees or assignment fees since going through his training last year. And I mean, I just, I can't say enough about it. And, and him is just a person. And you, you probably know him a little bit better than I do on a personal level, but he's just an awesome guy and a giver, a huge yep. giver. John, John's amazing. And we did a, an episode of the carrot cast with John. Um, we'll post it somewhere in the show notes, wherever you're watching this, if it's on YouTube or if it's on Instagram, go to our blog, carrot.com forward slash blog. It'll be in the show notes to uh, that ep- episode of the carrot cast with John. So two things that pop up that I want to point out here, Dylan, and then got a couple questions for you and then we'll wrap. But um, one of them, same thing, going back to your journey through the market cycle, one of the things that you had done as the market was starting to kind of get a little bit weird at the start was you, you did creative stuff. You know, you did subject two, you did some um, owner finance type of stuff for time. And you had mentioned a little bit ago too, that you're going to probably look and see other opportunities. Can you do more of that now moving forward? Um, we had a client of ours, um, Peng Nguyen and his team with the Odd Brothers down in Dallas, Texas. They do about 100 plus deals a year in Dallas. We have three carrot customers all doing 100 plus deals a year. Well, actually two now because Jamie and Jamie and RJ and Cassie joined forces. Linked up. Yeah. So now two, now they're doing like 200 deals a year. But um, so Tang, we had, we had him on the podcast and I was asking him cause he's getting leads and deals from carrot, but his bread and butter has always been offline, but it's not direct mail. It's not cold calling. It's not any of that stuff. So then people go like, how's he doing hundred plus deals a year? If it's not coming from direct mail, if it's not coming from cold calling, he's just now starting to ramp up his online. It's from other wholesalers who don't know how to structure a creative deal. It's from all the people that are going out there that are getting trained and they're looking at every single deal in the same box. Everything has to look like a wholesale deal. It's all got to match the, whatever it is, 65%, whatever their metric is. If it doesn't look like that, they toss it out and say, this must not be a deal. And so he goes out there I'm betting what you're saying here. So other people see a pattern. They want to follow this pattern because it's a successful pattern. He goes out there to Rias, all these networking groups, to tons of stuff. He's always every single week at a, at a real estate event in Dallas, networking, telling his story, telling people exactly how he's doing deals, exactly how he's doing deals. What happens? And he always says, hey, and if you guys ever have a deal that you can't figure out, a lead, if you can't figure out if there's a deal from it, hit me up. I'll look at it and I'll look at it and we'll figure out a way to do it together. Every day, every day, even while we were on that episode of the Carrot Cast, he got one. He got a text message from a wholesaler. Every day he gets leads. And he said probably 90% of his 100 plus deals are from leads that other wholesalers could not figure out how to make a deal that he turned into a deal with subject to, with owner finance in some way, with um, rent. Like what a, he was just finding creative ways to make it happen. So I think that's going to be a really, really, really big need uh, for many people over this next one, two, three years is get more creative with your stuff um, and follow what Dylan's doing, follow what Tang's doing. Go and build the network of people. Uh, just become the expert or just one of the great people that people know in that, that area. Let people know that you know how to structure this stuff. If you don't know how to go out there and learn 
Um, and then you're going to get a flood of leads from people who haven't put in the work to learn how to structure this stuff. And it's going to be cool. Um, yeah, I agree 100% really quick, Trevor. When I uh, was at Investor Fuel last, our last session, you know, I talked about I'm going to focus a lot more on buyers than I, are on, than I am on sellers. Mm. And the whole room looked at me weird because they're still in a different market than I am. We're all in different markets. But um, then afterwards, I got flooded by everybody. They're like, how are you doing this? How are you doing that? How are you going direct to agents? How are you mm -hmm. able to, you know, sidestep this? Or I mean, there's been times where I've worked as a broker and made a 15% commission because I knew a seller that was on the market would take a lot less than what it was listed for. Yep. So I, I just, I worked creatively and it ended up being, you know, a five figure commission on a $50,000 home possibly. Mm -hmm. And everybody ended up being okay in the end and happy. Mm -hmm. I, I love it. So y'all get creative and stuff. So I want to, I want to shift a little bit. So we've talked a lot about a lot of business stuff. Um, I always love to kind of figure out what makes the person tick. And this is something I've been on a, um, one of the things I love about the podcast, I mean, I love, talking with members and stuff, but like it helps me materialize my ideas, my thoughts, my frameworks. And one thing that's really been popping into last year is, is the whole freedom, flexibility, finances, impact model. And it's like, I really do believe that that's why almost all of us become entrepreneurs because of those four things. Um, so for you, um, Dylan, what, like what, it's a hard question, but like, why the heck are you doing what you're doing? Um, is, is, is it because you're passionate about real estate or are you trying to find ways that real estate can fuel your passion? What do you love? What, like what gives you energy and what are some of those unique abilities that you have? Okay. I'll do one last costume change while I think about the answer to that. <laughs> there this we go. The best one. I love it. There it is. Got the carrot orange. There we blazing, go. Blazing the carrot orange. I love it. Listen, I accidentally got the wrong size sent to me. So Jen sent me a bigger shirt because uh, unfortunately I'm, you know, weighing in more than I should. So I cleaned the other one up and I sent it out to hell back in California <laughs> because as you know, he's always wearing his carrot shirts, right? He is. He is. You look good, man. You look good. So, um, yeah, I guess what, what fuels me is, um, in the end, uh, I talk about this with people all the time. So it's really cool. We get to talk about this. Um, because I'm, I always feel like I'm on like a little higher level talking down. So now I'm on like the lower level speaking up it makes me feel good. But, um, like I said that, you know, the, the, the winning futures organization that I'm, that I deal with kids, um, no matter how much money you make in the end, you can have a zillion dollar house. You can have the, like, we, we've, you know, we laugh about the Ferraris and the giant Rolexes and all that stuff. And that's, if that's what you have, that's awesome. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. But for me, if I die broke, but I can, I can make a difference in the end, my mm. kid, I only have one daughter and she's going to be totally fine. She's 10 times smarter than me. Yep. And um, if she does go into real estate, mm. I'll make sure that she's guided better than I was because I <laughs> guided myself. But um, I think in the end, my goal is just to, to help people. Um, I'm involved in a couple other nonprofits. One of my lenders, uh, one of my attorneys and myself, we've uh, co-founded one called Friends of St. Nick. Mm. The lender was actually doing it for years, just you know, out of his, out of his truck. He's another construction guy and he would just call you and say, Trevor, I need a thousand bucks. We're doing stuff for kids. And you're like, all right, buddy, come pick it up. So I said, hey, wait a minute. We can, we can legitimize this and these guys can write this money off too yeah. so we can get more. So for me, I, I really like teaching. I really love, that's why I love the RIA model. I love coaching, but I don't want to always have to do that and, and try to make money. I would rather just teach. I really like teaching the kids. Yeah. So I think for me, it's like if I can impart my wisdom and, and say, hey, listen, it's okay if you go and get your degree and I don't care if you get your master's or doctorate, that's great. But the, the, the real world logic of how to run a business or, or really just how to, how to be relationship focused, I think that's just, slowly eroding, just like you talk about putting your phone down. 
It's yep. so important when you walk in the house, shut it off because what's more important than that, those three hours or those 30 minutes you have with the kids at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So that we're just, we're losing that. And because I do spend time in the schools, I see that more. My, my kids have a hard time looking me in the eyes and, and talking to me. These senior, they're men, you know, cause I only have boys. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and then after a few months, it's okay. You know, we, we, I get, I break it down a little bit and then they see that I'm cool. And uh, at least I think I am. And, uh, and just spending time with those guys and getting texts from them six, seven, eight years later and telling me like what's going on or they're getting married now or they just graduated from college. To me, that's what it's all about because if you prop everybody else up around you, then you, you're automatically lifted. Yep. Yep. Dude, that's, that's so important, man. It's, it's like kind of going back to, especially with, with newer investors or newer entrepreneurs, I think oftentimes we're kind of lured in from the financial side of it, right? Like you see the the Rolex or the car or the freedom or the travels or whatever that that person has. And we immediately go to usually kind of more the financial and freedom part of those four things, right? And that's nothing wrong with that. There's got to be something that motivates you to move and change. There's something has to do that. Um, but if you don't make the transition somewhere along the way to impact and flexibility, um, what ends up happening is you start to resent your business. You start to, you start to always like look at goals and you're grading your, your worth or progress or happiness based on did I hit that thing? And, um, there's always a new thing, you know, and that's, that's one thing I discovered. And when we started our giving program here at carrot this year, um, should have done it years ago, but we started this year. It's so much fun, man. Cause like, writing some really big checks all around the country. We try to try to do it in different wherever our employees were. And uh, we have a rotating what we call culture team and the people that are on the culture team that quarter, they have a budget. They get to do some cool culture, culture stuff. But then also we give away a percentage of our gross revenue every quarter and we split it up between those cities that the culture team members are on. They get to take those big checks. You know, oftentimes there are two, three, four thousand dollar checks that each one of them are taking on a quarterly basis to the local food bank and they get to volunteer there or to causes to other causes. And it makes me want to do more work. Like that's reason to keep growing revenue. It's like, I just want to keep on giving away more and more money. We've got to go this next year to see if we can't write some uh, like over a hundred thousand dollars in donation checks. Um, and I know we'll do it, which would be fun. So friends of St. Nick, is that something that you are running or yeah. So I'm, um, I believe I'm actually the secretary of course, cause I get to okay. do all the hard work, but, uh, yeah, so I, I'm involved. So we founded it. Uh, it's a, it's a 501 uh-huh. and, um, basically, uh, this year what we did, uh, right around Thanksgiving time, it, it kind of revolves around, you know, the holidays. So right around mm-hmm. Thanksgiving time, we, um, we set up a Thanksgiving lunch in it for a bunch of the special needs kids at the local high school. Cool. So my our my reach between me and all my buddies is amazing. So one you know one of the one of the brother in laws is the guy who runs the whole department for the whole school district. So he got us in. We did all this other stuff, and some of the kids needed coats. And um, th- these aren't necessarily people in lower income. It's just yeah. that is everywhere. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's right where I went to high school, basically. So um, we were able to put a lot of smiles on on people's faces. And again, because because it's legitimate now, we're overfunded compared to what it used to be. We only needed. Mm-hmm. 10 or 20 grand to do an event before. Now we have more than that. So we're going to be able to do, you know, the backpacks before school for the kids who need them and, and just, just to give, you know, just to give to the kids. I, I, I'm just big on the kids because I think some of them who don't have uh, as much of a leg up, you know, Trevor, you and I can complain about an app not working or having to figure out software code or, you know, a closing not happening, but we're here. 
And, yep. and I think every year, you know, after 30 or something, you start to get wiser and say, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. I know people who aren't anymore. Yeah. So what am I complaining about? And how, you know, the whole go-giver thing, um, how can I affect other people? You don't get anything for it. You, mm-hmm. you, don't, you don't need anything for it. It just happens because you're lucky enough to be able to give. Yep. Just being able to give is, is what it's all about. I, I love it, man. Um, one thing that I want, I want to toss your way right now and, and we'll wrap it up is, is we, we always hold, and I wasn't planning on coming on, coming on to this episode of the CareCast, but we always hold um, some of our give funds toward the end. And I know you said that you guys don't need it right now, but uh, it, that cause completely amplifies our core values here at Carrot, it sounds like, which I'm really, really pumped about. And I want to hook up with you after this and get whatever details we need, but we'd love to make a thousand dollar donation to that, uh, to that cause, man, and, and see if we can't uh, add to some of the, the war chests and fuel power that you guys have for this next year to, to help amplify all the amazing things that you guys are doing. So appreciate, yeah, appreciate that, what you're doing. That would be totally amazing. And you're going to put a lot of smiles on a lot of people's faces. Awesome, man. I like it. Well, you, the, you're doing the awesome work. You're, it's hard work, but you're doing the awesome work where you guys are, have the, the boots on the ground and, and, uh, and actually putting it together. So I appreciate it, man. Big time. So dude, um, I'm, I'm going to wrap it with this. And I don't have like a lot of podcasts. They have traditional, Hey, what's your favorite book and that kind of stuff. I don't know. I'm not organized enough to have a list of, of questions, but uh, the main question I want, I want to toss at you is if you're looking at 2019 and you're probably as the time we're recording this, it's the end of the year, you're probably starting to look at what do you want to improve? What do you want to challenge yourself on? Like really getting nitty gritty core, core stuff. What's the biggest thing, man, that you've looked at in 2018 and went, man, this is something I keep carrying forward. I keep not nailing in my life. And in 2019, it's going to happen. Do you have something like that right now? Yeah, I would say uh, personally is health. I've always been um, kind of big on the whole exercise thing and um, taking care of myself. And every year you get busier, it just starts mm-hmm. falling off, which I know you guys built your gym. Um, yep. So I have absolutely no excuses um, so that's, that's probably me, it personally. And then just professionally, I think time blocking, it's so, mm-hmm. so simple, but again, chasing squirrels, you know, I've got 20 things to do after this and I'm super excited and happy to do them, <laughs> but, but doing that, you know, going back to the, you know, Gary Keller thing, you know, I mean, it's, it's just mm-hmm. true. You know, you do that most important thing every day and for the, the new or experienced folks out there, I mean, that, that's what it's all about because if you're not doing the most important thing and making the money that your company needs, you can't do everything else because mm. money and cash is air to us. Yep. But I love it. without health, none of it's any good. So you need both of those, I think. You, you need both for sure, dude. And if it works sometime in 2019, we'd love to get you up here to Carrot Camp and work out with you in the gym and that'd be a blast. For sure. It'd be a lot of fun. I'd love to. Appreciate that guy to you coming out of the Carrot Cast. Um, look forward to seeing you at the next Investor Fuel that I'm going to be at. Uh, it's such a great group. If anyone's looking for a great mastermind, uh, there's multiple really, really good masterminds in the industry. I know Investor Fuel is probably the fastest growing. Uh, and it's also just amazing, amazing people. It's like such great people. So go check it out. Um, I don't make any money by sending you to InvestorFuel.com. I'm assuming what it is, but go check it out. Um, and then Collective Genius is an- another amazing mastermind. They're just, they're just different, right? You've got to pick the one that, uh, that you resonate the most with. And um, as you guys are looking at the year, find your thing that you want to focus on. What is the one thing you want to nail and then go back and listen to that part of the of the of this call, especially if you haven't been through a market cycle. That that couple minutes where Dylan talks about his his journey through that cycle because it really lays out the strategies, how he shifted strategies, and I think that those strategies are pretty universal as you go into any any down cycle or any um, softening that. 
those types of things are going to pop up again. So you can be prepared uh, before any types of shifts or softening happen. So Dylan, appreciate the heck Eddie, man. Thanks for wearing the shirt. You look great in the shirt and uh, let's hook up right after this. I want to get the information so we can make that uh, contribution to the charity. Appreciate you. Thanks Trevor. Thanks buddy. Have a good week. Yep. Take care. Mm -hmm.